You ready? Here we go. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Songs, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. Testament now on to the new. That's the old testament now on to the new. That's the old testament now on to the new. What on to the new? What on to the new? Matthew, Mark, and Luke and John. Acts, Romans, First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, First Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians, First and Second Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James, First and Second Peter, First John, Second John. Starting at 16. Then the men set out from there and they looked down toward Sodom, and Abraham went with them to set them on their way. The Lord from Abraham, what I'm about to do, seeing that Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, because of the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to their outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. And it says, so the men turned from there and went toward Sodom, but Abraham still stood before the Lord. And at that point is where he starts speaking to the Lord about, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Hmm. and goes through that whole little dialogue 50 45 like an auctioneer yeah 50 45 40 45. i remember the auctioneer quote yeah so thank you for preaching this week joey uh welcome everyone we're gonna be doing a little discussion on genesis 18 pastor joey um left his hiatus and came back to the pulpit after a little while and uh, kept our study of genesis in motion and we um <clears throat> heard from genesis 18 and didn't really have much of an outline this this week. Uh, sometimes you at least have, you know, a couple of big points, but this week you just kind of walked through it, which was good. You need that sometimes. Any any decision that, that led you to sort of just walk through it rather than a formal outline this week? Uh, as I studied it, um, I just came up with two major points and just decided to tie them together with introduction. I mean, the first thing God impressed on me was – that personal relationship. And I got to looking at other parts of the Bible with, right. with Adam, with Moses uh, in the new Testament that, you know, that's just always big to me. Yeah. The God of the universe wants to have a personal relationship with a unworthy, sinful person. I mean, and he wants with me, with you, with anybody listening to us. Yep. So that was my first thing that I kept studying and then trying to find an application for the auctioneer part finally came you know, through God that, you know, what, what, what God was doing through Abraham was allowing Abraham to plead for lost people. Yeah. God had the plan. I think the whole thing was for Abraham's benefit, but uh, it was just pretty amazing that I even read some stuff talked about how Abraham in that point, how probably there were times before this 
that bad things had happened in that area. And, and he probably, like all of us, had those thoughts. I wish God had just wiped those evil people away. But yeah. in the moment when he realized what was about to happen, and that's really what we need to realize, mm-hmm. is what's about to happen in those people who hate us or oppose us or fight us are going to be wiped out. Right. Yeah. That is a sobering and not, not to mention the fact that Lot's there. You know, he's already saved him once. But now yeah. here he is again in the midst of that. So I just, I kept trying to figure out, well, how do I make these two points in this sermon that God wants a personal relationship and that, and that God desires that we plead and witness to those people he's about to destroy and right. came out kind of like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, very good. I, th- I uh, the full four point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Didn't Southern have Baptist. Point. Yeah. Didn't Southern Baptist. Three point, you became a Presbyterian for a week or something. I don't know if Presbyterians have points. Maybe they do. Um, but, uh, okay, well, well, very good. Uh, thanks for the little recap. Uh, Josh, do you have some questions first? Yeah, that actually goes pretty well into the question I was going to ask to begin with, um, because you ended talking about prayer. Uh, you talked about, you know, the intercessory prayer that, that um, was uh, – set forth in the passage and how it benefited Abraham and how we should plead for sinful man. And so um, I have two questions about that. So the first one I have is what do you think, uh, is there a place for imprecatory prayers? Um, Any point for um, nations or for God's enemies and those kind of things where, where we actually pray for God's judgment to come. Um, Curious what you think about it. That's kind of what I was thinking. Don't you think Abraham had probably had some of those prayers in days prior to this? Right. I mean, I, mean I, I, I think that's the flesh part of us, but I think sometimes when we're defending ourselves, our families, I mean, David did that. But then I really think that God will impress on you eventually how sad that really is if you are a true believer. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I, mean I, I know there are prayers like that all through the Bible, you know. Yeah. And, and I'm sure there is a part, but I think at some part in your life, even if you are praying those prayers, mm-hmm. that, that eventually God can use those to turn around and remind it's, it's my judgment. I'm, I'm right. doing it when yeah. I'm ready. And your, your, your part is really to, to try and reach as many of those people as you can. Yeah. yeah. yeah and I, you know, I was, I did some study on that too this week as I was thinking about that question. Mm-hmm. And, you know, back up in like verse 19, he talks about um, the way of the Lord uh, doing righteousness and justice. So you see God being concerned with righteousness and justice in the passage. Mm-hmm. And then we get, you get down to the bottom and you see Abraham pleading for God to, to essentially judge with equal measures, right, with equal weights and balances, um, not to carry out um, uh, the same judgment or justice he would on those who are righteous to those who are, who are not. And, of course, we end up uh, thinking about the gospel that we're all obviously unrighteous and in Christ for righteous. Um, but, you know, that really hit me this week. I was thinking about it because when you think about imprecatory prayers, if you don't, if you don't know what that is, um, just listening to us, it's, you know, it's prayer for, for God's judgment to come. Um, but I think that we, we, that we don't think about that in the context of the gospel because every prayer, even if it's for salvation is for God's justice and judgment to come yeah. because, whether we're, you're praying for God's judgment to come and it's for um, him to do so through saving people and placing that judgment on Christ and then saving them through that, uh, or it be that he does take out his enemies. 
um, regardless of which, you know, God is a God of justice and righteousness. He's going to uphold justice. That, that was kind of what I was thinking about throughout this week. And, and I just really, I don't know, that, that hit me this when I was reading that, especially in verse 19 up there about the way of the Lord doing righteousness and justice. And, and so that's kind of what I was thinking about this week. I, I feel like we're kind of in the times that you see in a lot of the Old Testament where, you know, we're wondering, God, why are you, why are you letting this happen? But we're not God. Yeah. I think some of the things happening today, and, 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 and the problem is I live in this country. This stuff has happened in other countries. I mean, we have lived a sheltered, privileged life in our country, you know, for 200 years where religious people were basically free to do what they wanted to. Uh, I, I just think, I just think we're just about over the hill. I think yeah. we're about to start rolling down the hill like a snowball. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, sometimes you have to pray for God's judgment in order to prolong your time to witness and, and do mission work because if, if, if evil shuts us completely down, we can't carry out our commission. You know, mm-hmm. I was having that talk with a friend of mine at school this morning about, you know, the Roman Empire was the New Testament was especially towards the end, a horrible time for Christians. You know, and yet the church spread like wildfire. But when I was studying under Dr. Hemfield at North Greenville, I had never realized until we studied the Roman civilization, the culture, especially at the beginning before the persecution got so great as to how they didn't know it. The Romans did, but they worked right into God's plan to spread the gospel. I mean, they were the, they were the first people in the world to build a road system to everywhere. Our missionaries go get places. <laughs> you know, that they were the they were the first major country in the world to have a a a language that if you wanted to work and do commerce in the empire you had to learn Greek. Right. Wow. How are you going to spread? I, I mean, they did a lot of things, and at the beginning, they basically didn't care as long as they got their taxes. What other religions did? You know. Now I know at the end, when Nero and some of the people went off the rails and. Christians were horribly persecuted, but, but they set the stage for the great, you know, missions movement just by some of the, and they had no clue they were doing it. God was using them all along. So I don't understand. Can God use these people now that I look at and, and thank God, bring down your judgment, but, but maybe there's a plan. I don't know. <laughs> he has a plan. He just doesn't tell us all of it. You know? Yeah. Do you have anything to add? I want to pick it through prayers, uh, Dale. <clears throat> yeah, I would say that, uh, imprecatory prayers um, have not ceased. <laughs> We're not cessationists when it comes to imprecatory prayers, um, although they need to be understood rightly, right? Uh, I think you're right, um, both of you said, to make sure that you understand judgment and justice still belongs to God. We are not the ones who enact vengeance. Uh, he is the one who enacts vengeance and judgment, whether in this life or in the life to come. No man will stand before God guiltless. If they are indeed guilty, he will not um, pass by the wicked. Um, And so, you know, as I'm preparing for Genesis chapter 19, I think it's it's interesting in verse 22, uh, it says the men turn from there. They go towards Sodom, but Abraham still stood before the Lord. And you see in chapter 19, after the, you know, the whole story with Lot and them, you find Abraham going back to the same spot where he stood before the Lord. And like you said, Joey, you know, maybe it is the Lord just sort of 
doing this whole interaction himself, you know, Yahweh speaking. Um, but uh, he goes back to that same spot. And from that very spot, he looks down on Sodom and he sees the judgment. So he was praying or, you know, begging or, you know, however the encounter was for the Lord to um, not destroy the city if there even be, you know, five righteous people. And so he's watching, is, is God going to enact judgment? Uh, obviously, Abraham knows that they're wicked and they're vile and, you know, they're, they're, they do not fear the Lord and their outcry is great. But, uh, I mean, he, he's, he's watchful. So, so he knows they deserve judgment. He's, he's watching to see if God will judge. And he's also watching to see if God will save, right? And so I think that's kind of the, the posture we want to have when we're praying any sort of imprecatory prayer, when we see false teachers out there, uh, the word of faith right here in our county, um, those who blaspheme the gospel and, and deceive and are being deceived themselves, you know, obviously the, the, the greatest miracle of truth is that they turn, they repent of their sins and they see Christ and they, they, you know, come to, come to the truth um, and, and, you know, be forgiven of their sins. But uh, ultimately with, with those hard hearts, you know, we, and, and the, the gospel is being blasphemed and the church is being hurt and persecuted and, and sheep are being stolen. You know, we, we pray against that and we watch God to judge, you know. So so we're kind of we're doing both. If the Lord relents for a little while, may it be for repentance. The Lord waited 25 years for Sarah to repent. Right. And so who, who knows um, what the Lord may be doing? We, we, we want to be patient, trusting the, the Lord is patient himself. But yeah, so that's all I'd have to share on that. But that's that's a good question. <laughs> And I'll go ahead and ask one more if you don't mind, because it's related to the same subject. But uh, uh, you talked about um, the prayer of Abraham benefiting Abraham and maybe, you know, revealing God's will or God's character to him or any of those things. How, how has prayer personally benefited you? Um, not necessarily, you know, in, uh, I don't know, praying for specific, you know, God to do specific things, but maybe in revealing his character to you. Uh, I think specific things that God has done reveals his character. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I, the problem is we live in this flesh covered body and we, we just miss God a lot. I mean, we, we miss things that God does. I mean, um, and, and both y'all have not known me for that long. And I always bring up the same thing because it's the biggest miracle I've ever seen in my life. But I mean, y'all don't know what, uh, as a young married couple, me and my wife went through because we were infertile. Mm -hmm. And to that point at being angry at God, you know, uh, wanting to protect my wife. My wife would not go to church. We, we were we were devoted Christians. We read the Bible. We pray. We believe. But it was so hurtful to her to go to, go to church on Mother's Day. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I found out later that like, uh, and everybody's got their thoughts. I'm not holding this guy up to some great preacher, but if, if you didn't know this, but Charles Stanley always preached a non-Mother's Day sermon on TV on Mother's Day. And he said he did that because he knew there were people like Shelly at home. Mm. They couldn't stand to go to their own church because it would break their heart so bad. That's good. To hear that Mother's Day sermon. But we didn't understand that until Hannah. Mm. You know? and, and when it's all over, then you're on your knees because you're like, God, why did I question you? Why? Why did I question your character? Why did I question your judgment? Why, why did I ever do that? But as a human, we do. Mm -hmm. And really and truly, it's his plan. You know, uh, I'm sure 
like I said, what amazes me is in that story, I'm sure Abraham at times hated some of the things that he saw go on and probably prayed God wiped them out. But in that moment, you know, I think he realizes those are human beings that are about to be wiped out, sinful human beings. But he learns that God is a righteous God and, and he is very patient and he's very understanding. But at some point, uh, he enacts his judgment, not ours. You know, and I think sometimes we miss it because we, we can't see the forest for the trees. You know? Right. We're convinced we know what's right. But God's right might be, you know, in this case, I think it's right in front of Abraham. He knows it's about to happen within hours. But, you know, sometimes what God's going to make happen is five years down the road. And we don't right. like that. Yeah. We, we, we don't like and we don't understand more of that teaching me patience which i've never had but i mean that that's that's the story from my life is you know uh, I, I was 26 when i met shelly we were 27 when we married i had given up on ever being married because i had so many bad relationships and and a friend of ours who's now with the lord uh, who was a minister uh, introduced us on a blind date i mean God knew that I wasn't supposed to meet Shelly till 26. Now I had argued with God a lot about, okay, I'll just be a monk, you know, mm -hmm. but I, mean, <laughs> I think sometimes we miss, we don't miss because eventually he does what he's going to do. Mm -hmm. But as we're going through it, we, we can't, we can't patiently wait on the Lord. But his character is always what his character is. He, he cares for an individual as much as he cares. I mean, if he doesn't care for an individual as much as he could care for anything, why would he have given up his own son for mm -hmm. an individual? Yeah. 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 That's, that's really good. And I, I know that I can't specifically think of a, a specific example top of my head at the moment, but I, I know that so many times in my life, um, it, it's the times where I am, you know, in some type of difficult season and I'm, I'm praying I'm seeking God through his word. And it seems like in those times in, in being quiet. in his word and prayer is when he reveals himself to me in a, in a way that maybe I haven't seen before, he reveals his character. He reveals, um, you know, just something about him that maybe I knew, but I didn't, I hadn't experienced it until that time. Mm -hmm. And so I, I do believe that, uh, that prayer is extremely beneficial to us as we're praying to reveal God's character to us. I think it is, uh, one way that God really shapes us uh, through his word and through prayer. So I don't know if you had any, have any experiences you might can share with that uh, Dale, but I think just on the, the daily basis, right. Um, prayer reminds you that you are never alone. Amen. You, you Amen. have, you have, and, and, you know, you find yourself, eventually happier having have had prayed <laughs> uh, because you realize, like you said, Joey, the, the God of the universe who is far above and beyond us desires to also be with us. You know, um, I was listening to Christian trap music while I was working out earlier. There's this guy named Ishan Burgundy who uh, I can't, I don't know what the name of the song is, but he talks about how, he's staring up at the sky and just can't fathom how big and how far away God is. And at the same time, God is so close and prayer reminds us of that. We have never, ever, ever been alone. Um, so 
Mm-hmm. That's, that's good. good. Well, hey, I have. Are you done, Josh? Or you have one more? Ask my questions. I, yeah, that's about it. I have. I have just a thought. Um, you know, uh, I mean, it's it's an awesome picture of Jesus here in Genesis 18. You know, because you've got you got Abraham as like this mediator, right? He's going before God for the people, right? Mm-hmm. Saying save them you know and, and he's putting the stuff out there picture of jesus oh yeah. yeah it's it's awesome and, and at the same time you know and maybe i'm already answering it but you you see sort of this picture of judgment on sodom but you also see mercy for one that that god listens and you know puts up with abraham and then also decides to save lot so just you know from your study in genesis 8, 18 here do you think this is a passage that teaches us um, more about God's judgment or about God's mercy. What, what is this a, a truer picture of? And I, I don't know if that's a fair question, but is this a passage of judgment or is this a passage of mercy? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think what you said, it is a perfect picture of the coming new covenant, though, that there's going to be an intercessor yeah. for unrighteous men, you know, now, I'm not saying Abraham's Jesus or God, but yeah, there is going to be in the new. There's poor God. With your sin on him mm-hmm. you know, as an intercessor. Uh, but you're right. I, is it mercy or is it? Like, yeah. Look at judgment and not take. <laughs> and, you know, Joey, I'm a little bit worried about you. You were a little too excited to preach chapter 19. <laughs> I was, boy. I was ready. <laughs> Now that I'm studying it, I'm like, what was Joey thinking? What? Like whole commentaries written on 19. I mean, you can find so much written on it. I was like, everything you'd open on 18 is about three sentences. It's like, yeah, couldn't even find any Spurgeon on 18. I was like, what am I going to do? Man, yeah. for sure Spurgeon at least have a one-liner on that. And, you know, I, I don't know if it's more about judgment or mercy, and maybe it's a display of both, um, but, you know, Lot chose to go to Sodom, mm-hmm. just like Joey mentioned, right? And God showed him mercy. And I don't know if you're getting to this far in the past. I don't even know exactly what chapter it's in, but immediately what happens after Sodom, what, what Lot and his, and his yes. daughters, what happened to his daughters. Yeah, it's awful. Sin happened right after that in, in a big way. Mm-hmm. And so he, God showed mercy to, to Lot. Um and yet you see, you know, judgment with Sodom. And so I think there's a display of both there. Um, you know, you, I don't know. That's, that's a hard question, honestly. Yeah. You've got to handle that, Dale. I, I did a lot of reading in 19, and it is very hard for us in our in our flesh body to understand this. Um, when you really look at it, Lot is in a bad place. Seems to be in a position of power in a bad place, which means he's just living with it. Yeah. As Josh said, what's going to happen afterward is a horrible sin. And then you flip to the New Testament and they write about Lot being a righteous person. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's yep. tough scripture to understand. It's yep. tough scripture to understand. <laughs> Father of the Moabites and the Ammonites, right? <laughs> yeah. Not uh, not exactly a hero. You want to to really come down hard on Lot, but the more I read, and there were some New Testament passages, I'd have to look them back up because I was studying 19. There's places he mentioned as a righteous person in the New Testament. 
Some of the people I was reading talk about how we want to put our thumb on lot and just press him into the earth. And they're like, but how do you explain this? Yeah. You know, I guess you explain it like you do us. We are totally unrighteous. Somehow we have been declared righteous. And here's something else to consider. And this is probably going to make its way into Sunday sermon. But, you know, from the from the beginning, you know, what was the first promise that God made to Abraham? Abram? It was I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. Right in the very next chapter, chapter 12, I think, uh, or 13, it's one of those. Uh, they go to Egypt, and what happens, right? They, they let Sarai go into Pharaoh's chambers, and immediately the plague breaks out. Why? Because those who curse you and your household, I will curse. And so I think now, even in chapters 18 and 19, this much time has passed, and Lot isn't even living there anymore, but still is considered part of Abraham's household which is how a lot is able to be considered righteous because as an extension of Abraham's household, lot is part of the righteous line, part of the, the, the household of faith. And therefore even that one righteous that remains not by his works, but because of his own inheritance, right? Who he is under Abraham's house. And he's being cursed by the people in Sodom trying to, you know, have relations with him and his daughters and his visitors you know, ruining him, the Lord curses Sodom. And I think that's part of their judgment, that he destroys the city, not just because they're evil acts, but because they cursed his own possession, his nation, you know, his, his, uh, his Abraham. Um, so I think that's the Lord keeping his promise, but I'm sharing too much. I'm getting preachy. Uh, well, you are studying. Yeah, we're, we're, <laughs> we're getting there. It's only yeah. Tuesday. Still got a lot of work to do. But, uh, well, hey, this is great talk. Uh, my timer says six minutes, and I have to pay for the full version. <laughs> so we better, better wrap it up. Um, but this is great. Anything to add last second? Uh, not, not that I can think of. All right. Well, hey, um, this, is, this has been great. Uh, thank you for preaching Sunday, Joey. We'll get you thank back you up there soon. Yeah. All right. Uh, let me pray. Father, thank you for your word and how it uh, speaks to us mercy and it speaks to us judgment, how you uh, teach us who you are and how you desire to be with us and among us. And you teach us um, the way to righteousness and the way to be saved. And uh, you've given us a greater inheritance than anything Abraham could give to Lot. And you've given us a greater salvation than anything uh, we could ever deserve. Uh, we deserve the very treatment of Sodom, but because of the blood of Jesus, which covers us, um, Father, you've given us a pardon from sin and a grace that endures. Uh, so thank you for this word. Um, help us to plead with sinners, knowing the, um, the judgment they deserve and the judgment we once deserved, and uh, oh, that we still deserve, but because of Christ, we'll never experience. Help us to plead for them, for their salvation, while today is still called today. Uh, so thank you for this word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, fellas. That's the books of the Bible. You got to know the books. That's the books of the Bible. You got to know the books. That's the books of the Bible. You got to know the books. You got to know the books. You got to know the books.